On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla makes the difficult choice to lay off 9% of its workforce. Elon Musk details the next generation Tesla Roadster's unbelievable SpaceX option package. Immaculate Reflections Jeff McGovern stops by to talk about detailing and paint protection and more. Welcome, friends, to the 150th episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for June 17th, 2018. I'm Ryan McCaffrey next to a napping Daisy the Boxer puppy coming to you here on uh, Friday afternoon. Yes, uh, afternoon, not evening for once. Maybe that means I'll have a little more energy than usual, although hopefully hopefully energy is not normally an issue for me. But uh, what is an issue for me is still hearing Oh boy! I again, having never suffered from a from a bad ear infection before, uh, I've I'm boy I'm still like I don't know half or so capacity out of that left ear, and it, I already feel like uh, I'm either talking too loud or not. I don't know. I feel like I'm still off, still a little strange. And th- going down to a convention in Los Angeles, uh, you know, a there and back flight plus a lot of loud noises. Probably didn't help things, but in any case, uh, I did have a good time at the Electronic Entertainment Expo, otherwise known as E3. Got to uh, catch up with a lot of people, see a lot of great video games. Man, the video game industry is just, it's just always, always hopping with something new and something cool. I even met a listener down there, Patreon producer Michael Callahan, connected with him. Uh, he was in the area. It was great to, it's, it's always fun for me to meet listeners in person because it it sort of reassures me that I'm not alone, that I'm like, <laughs> I'm not the only one nuts about this stuff, nuts in a good way, I hope. So uh, Callahan, it was great to great to meet you, great to speak with you. And uh, and yeah, it was, a, it was a hectic, exhausting week. I'm actually still tired. I've gotten pretty good sleep the last couple nights, but my goodness, uh, am, I, am I still wiped? So it's probably good that I'm actually doing the show th- this afternoon. My company kind enough to give us all uh, a day of of recovery and rest here after six hard, long, tough days in a row of uh, of doing convention stuff. So, anyway, uh, as I told you last week, I've got a little something special for you this week in in lieu of me being away all week. I had gone out to Jeff McGovern's shop. Uh, he is the owner and uh, primary detailer. At Immaculate Reflections, you know, I always mention them at the end of the show. Jeff and I've—he'd uh, reached out to me a while ago, and we've, you know, he's—he really loves Tesla and and just gets what Tesla's all about, and really cares about detailing. He's an expert. He's been at this for a long time, and so uh, I wanted to go out not only meet him at his shop uh, and see what he's all about, but also I wanted to do an interview with him because detailing to me, you know, as somebody who's you know, just all the way down the rabbit hole on all things Tesla, obviously. And I, I do care about keeping this car when I get it as nice as possible, as protected as possible for as long as possible. So, you know, I've done some of my own research online of which paint protection film is the one to get, what's, uh, what are the pluses and minuses of each, what are the different, just all, there's a million different things out there when it comes to detailing and paint protection. So I thought it would be good to have a conversation with Jeff about that. I, I honestly... I really hope this doesn't come off as an ad 
for Jeff. Uh, I was genuinely curious about this stuff, so you'll you can judge for yourself. I'm going to do that after the news here, after this. And again, uh, just skipping the hotline this week. I I have been getting your calls all week while I'm in Los Angeles. I'll be going through those in addition to your calls for this week, and we'll get back to sort of the usual flow of the show next week. But for now, uh, as I said, I just I, I knew I'd be busy with the convention, so I was lucky enough to to get that conversation with Jeff in the can uh, to help ease my workload this week from being out all week while still hopefully getting you guys good quality content that is useful and informative and, and maybe even entertaining to you as well. So do stay tuned for that. But first, let's get to the Tesla news. And uh, I want to just start, uh, even though I didn't title the show uh, with, with the bad news this week, where you know the title is with regard to the SpaceX option package, obviously, I did want to just start with the bad news because it's... It's, you know, it's a lot to think about, and it's a lot to process. And if you had not already heard this week, Tesla made the difficult choice to lay off 9% of its entire workforce, which, uh, as a company of over 37,000 people, amounts to over 3,000 people. Uh, I want to go ahead and read you Elon Musk's entire email to the company, which he went ahead and posted on his Twitter account after uh, bits of it had leaked to the media anyway. So he he took the step to just post the thing in full. Uh, it is a little long, but I will, I will try to give you just a good quality read without wasting your time here. So Elon says, as described previously, we are conducting a comprehensive organizational restructuring across our whole company. Tesla has grown and evolved rapidly over the past several years, which has resulted in some duplication of roles and some job functions that, while they made sense in the past, are difficult to justify today. As part of this effort and the need to reduce costs and become profitable, we have made the difficult decision to let go of approximately 9% of our colleagues across the company. These cuts were almost entirely made from our salaried population, and no production associates were included, so this will not affect our ability to reach Model 3 production targets in the coming months. Given that Tesla has never made an annual profit in the almost 15 years since we have existed, profit is obviously not what motivates us. What drives us is our mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable clean energy, but we will never achieve that mission unless we eventually demonstrate that we can be sustainably profitable. Pardon me. That is a valid and fair criticism of Tesla's history to date. This week, we are informing those whose roles are impacted by this action. We made these decisions by evaluating the criticality of each position, whether certain jobs could be done more efficiently and productively, and by assessing the specific skills and abilities of each individual in the company. As you know, we are also continuing to flatten our management structure to help us communicate better, eliminate bureaucracy, and move faster. In addition to this company-wide restructuring, we've decided not to renew our residential sales agreement with Home Depot in order to focus our efforts on selling solar power in Tesla stores and online. The majority of Tesla employees working at Home Depot will be offered the opportunity to move over to Tesla retail locations. I would like to thank everyone who is departing Tesla for their hard work over the years. I'm deeply grateful for your many contributions to our mission. It is very difficult to say goodbye. In order to minimize the impact, Tesla is providing significant salary and stock vesting proportionate to length of service to those we are letting go. To be clear, 
Tesla will still continue to hire outstanding talent in critical roles as we move forward, and there is still a significant need for additional production personnel. I also want to emphasize that we are making this hard decision now so that we never have to do this again. To those who are departing, thank you for everything you've done for Tesla and we wish you well in your future opportunities. To those remaining, I would like to thank you in advance for the difficult job that remains ahead. We are a small company in one of the toughest and most competitive industries on earth, where just staying alive, let alone growing, is a form of victory. Tesla and Ford remain the only American car companies who haven't gone bankrupt. Yet despite our tiny size, Tesla has already played a major role in moving the auto industry towards sustainable electric transport and moving the energy industry towards sustainable power generation and storage. We must continue to drive that forward for the good of the world. Thanks, Elon. So there it is. Uh, and, you know, I, I sort of touched on this before I read it, but I still don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I was uh, actually informed of the news, again, being, being down in L.A. And, and not plugged in quite as uh, directly to all things Tesla as I normally would be. A friend of mine who works at Tesla actually emailed me this. Uh, so that's how I found out. And so, yeah, I, I still don't know how to feel. I mean, it's I read Elon's statement. Uh, I, I heard what my friend had to say to me about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm torn by it, you know, I, and maybe it's, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's, that's, that might be the most human, normal, healthy response is to be torn by it. I mean, am I deeply saddened for those affected? Yes, I, of course, I definitely am. Um, that, that friend, thankfully, he's okay. Um, he's okay with it. He, he will be okay. So that, that has made it easier for me personally to, uh, to deal with on a, on a, you know, sort of the most personal connection I have to this situation. But I guess the point I'm driving at as well is that, you know, this isn't either all good, certainly, obviously, but it's also isn't all bad either. Elon has talked before and he mentioned in that, in that letter to all employees about flattening Tesla's management structure. So it's naturally led people to wonder, and I think fairly so, did this happen because Tesla was poorly managed in the first place? Maybe, maybe not. You know, poorly managed, maybe maybe a little of that. Maybe just, again, you know, Elon cited growth and how something that made sense a few years ago doesn't make sense now. That That's a normal thing. Evolution uh, for any company and, you know, things, things as they worked yesterday are not necessarily how they work tomorrow. But I guess what I what I you know, don't ever want to see. And be, because Elon talked about needing to be profitable and having that be an important thing and having that be a fair criticism, I don't disagree with him there at all. I, I completely agree that that uh, that is an important pillar of, uh, it's important, it's a foundational element of, of what Tesla needs in order to fulfill that mission that they hold so dear. But what I don't ever want to see, because I... I mean, not that I'm a, a, a Wall Street guy or somebody that, that pays a super close attention to the world's, you know, the, the business of business, effectively. But I've seen it too many times, and I, what I don't ever want to see for Tesla is I don't want to ever see them become one of those companies who lays people off on a quarterly basis or annual basis or, or really at all 
just to make a just to goose the stock up a few extra cents per share in order to make stockholders a few extra bucks. And now fortunately Elon seems to intimate that that won't be the case for this because you remember there was a line in there I'll read it to you again. He said, "I also want to emphasize that we are making this hard decision now so that we never have to do this again." End quote. So I I hope this was done for the right reasons, or at least as right as they can be in a situation like this. Uh, It is tough. It is sad. Um, Again, judging from the the attitude of my friend, I mean, you know, everybody's situation is unique, right? There There are definitely people who are not thrilled about this, who were affected. It's not, it's not that everybody laid off is like, I still believe in the mission and I'm totally fine with this. Of course, no, lives are impacted. Families are impacted. But uh, I just want to send best wishes to all of those affected by this. I know, I know there are Tesla employees that listen to this podcast. I don't know how many, but I hear from them from time to time in various capacities, various uh, disciplines of the company. So, uh, I hope none of you out there are affected, and and if you are, I, I think nothing but but positive thoughts for you. And um, having Tesla on the resume is probably a good thing. Just you know, trying to look forward, and uh, I wish everybody a, a quick bounce back. But yeah, you know, not the not the greatest news. I mean, I I'm very curious now what this will mean for the second quarter when when that comes up. So. We're about two weeks out from learning what Q2 deliveries were, and we're a little more than that away from the next quarterly earnings call. Actually, we're more more like almost three months. They're usually about a month after the end of the quarter. So we're still a ways from that. Uh, I hope Elon speaks to this some more between now and then. Um to sort of really shed a, maybe shed a little more light, give a little bit more explanation as to what this means for the the immediate sort of the Q2 situation, the Q3, Q4, the annual situation. Um, because, you know, the, if you haven't heard this, again, you know, again, I'm not a Wall Street guy, but the stock has been on a roll for the last week or so. Uh, the, the great short burn that Elon promised has, uh, has certainly, uh, there's been some of that this week, you know, who knows if it'll keep going, if it'll, you know, I, Tesla's stock is volatile, both for good and, and bad. Um, but yeah, shorts have been getting torched over the last week or so as the stock has gone up. Gosh, it's something like, it's a almost, I think it's 30, 40 bucks now, uh, just this week. I don't know what percentage that is. I guess that's around 10%. But uh, deliveries, Q2, this is the whole, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. The point of that is to say, I wonder how th- this move with, with the layoffs will, will impact uh, the financials and, and the, sort of the stock situation and the profitability with, when it comes to Q2. Because you remember, Elon has promised profitability, or not promised, but he has heavily suggested that Q3 and definitely Q4 will be the beginning of profitability on a sustained basis for Tesla. But here's the thing. There really haven't been any deliveries in June, and they've been scaling them by anecdotal accounts. I don't have hard numbers for this, but the deliveries appear to be 
uh, sort of in ho- uh, in limbo, on hold. Particularly here in June, there there is a an a very I I, I can I want to use the word obvious, but I just don't want to say that say it with like absolute certainty. But all evidence points to the uh, cars being held for July. There is a there is an enormous tent right now that's actually gotten bigger in the in the past days and and couple of weeks on the Tesla factory that has been photographed from drones above. Massive tent, presumably where there are cars being stashed underneath it so that once the quarter ends and then July hits, they can start delivering those cars in a, in a tidal wave of Model 3 deliveries because that is when they want to hit that 200,000th vehicle to trigger the tax credit on you know early in July, early in Q3. I've talked about that a lot. Um, you all know about it by now. So the point is, how is Q2 going to look? Uh, it, are the deliveries going to be intentionally down? And what will Wall Street think of that? That's why I feel like Elon has to come out and say, you know, yes, the layoffs were for the sort of long-term health and we held deliveries. Our delivery numbers are low on purpose in order to maximize this tax credit. So the question is, I guess, like for those of you who are shareholders, will Wall Street understand that and go along with that if Q2 delivery numbers are very low? I guess if Elon comes right out and says, hey, we're going to, you're going to see the largest deliveries that this company, the largest quantity of deliveries that this company's ever had in Q3 by a long shot. I suppose that would probably assuage the fears of, of Wall Street to an extent. But um, yeah, so just very interesting times, I think, coming up for Tesla here in about really the next 30 to 45 days. Because in that time, again, you will have you know the tax credit trigger, stashing cars in June to deliver them in July, the ramp hitting 5K, performance and all-wheel drive production starting. Uh, it's it's a really, it's, I feel like we're on the cusp of just huge things for this company right now. Uh, but it is unfortunate that, that over 3,000 of the people that contributed to that will not be, long, be along for the ride uh, anymore. So... Again, best wishes to those affected, and uh, and yeah, it's like there's there's no there's no segue out of that. Uh, but I did want to move now to something super crazy and super fun, and that is Elon Musk discussing what he meant by the next generation Tesla Roadster's SpaceX option package. Now you'll recall on last week's show. I thought my head was in the clouds on this because I said, well, you know, they hired that guy from Microsoft's HoloLens team, so maybe it's an augmented reality glasses that that interface with the car and, you know, do all kinds of crazy, like, minority report, sci-fi kind of stuff. Well, it turns out uh, my head was in the sand (laughs) relative to the real thing. The truth is stranger than any fiction that I came up with last week. So the SpaceX SpaceX option package for the next generation Tesla Roadster is, get this, my friends, actual 
rocket boosters in the car. Actual rocket boosters. And no, this is one of those things where people were like, uh, are you serious, Elon? Are you, are you playing right now? No, he's not. In typical Elon fashion, he was serious and he went on to explain himself. He says, this is, this is going to be a number of tweets, treats. (laughs) What's a treat too, I guess. A number of tweets strung together here. He says, SpaceX option package for new Tesla Roadster will include about 10 small rocket thrusters arranged seamlessly around the car. These rocket engines dramatically improve acceleration, top speed, braking, and cornering. Maybe they will even allow a Tesla to fly. 19 years ago, when my first company got bought, I had to decide between buying a house in Palo Alto or a McLaren F1, best car ever in my opinion, was no contest. I bought the F1 and a small condo that was much cheaper than the car. The new Tesla Roadster will exceed all gas sports cars in every way. The intent of the new Tesla Roadster is to beat gas sports cars on every performance metric by far, no exceptions, thus transferring the halo crown effect that gas cars have as the top speed leaders over to pure electric. Now, people began wondering how, how, what, how, why. Uh, one Twitter user who apparently might have a background or at least some sort of uh, knowledge and expertise in this category said to Elon, I reckon it's adapted cold gas thrusters used in upper stage rocket guidance using plain old compressed air. And Elon replied to that saying, quote, using the configuration you describe, in other words, yes, plus an electric pump to replenish air in COPV when car power draws, uh, part, pardon me, let me, when car power draw drops below max pack power output makes sense. But we are going to go a lot further. And he continues, Total energy stored, even in ultra-compressed air, is low versus battery, but power output is insane. The composite overwrapped pressure vessel, that's the COPV that I mentioned a moment ago, is is the most advanced ever made. It's what SpaceX is qualifying for NASA crewed missions. That's crewed C-R-E-W-E-D, not C-R-U-D-E. Extremely robust, literally bulletproof. And he adds at the end, the trade is that the Roadster becomes a two-seater instead of a two-plus-two. The COPV is in place of the kid seats, which is probably wise for many reasons. And then uh, here's here's a little piece of this that I, I don't I feel like no one else caught on to, no one else is really talking about, but I wanted to talk about it. And that's John Carmack chimed in on this. Now, John, if you don't know Mr. John Carmack, John's something of a rocket scientist himself. John Carmack is a uh, made his fortune as a video game programmer. He's one of the co-founders of ID Software, the studio behind Doom, behind Quake behind Wolfenstein 3D. John is uh, 
John is is a literal genius. I had a chance to interview John uh, for their for the last game that he worked on before he left id Software, because he's with Oculus now. He does VR stuff. Uh, it was a game called Rage, uh, which they're now making a sequel to without him, actually. But uh, anyway, I interviewed John once, and I, the inter- the audio is somewhere on the internet. Um, I don't know if how easily Googleable it is, but John. Uh, First of all, he was kind of a, I admired, that was kind of a hero, not a hero, heroes, my dad's the only person I would say is a hero in my life, but um, a little bit of a rock star celebrity moment, let's put it that way, when I met John Carmack, because Doom was, Doom is probably my desert island video game, like that, Doom, a lot of games mean a lot to me, I guess, the short, short, short list of like, what games are you taking to the desert island, and or which, which games have had the most impact on your life, and for me, Doom is right near the top of that list. And anyway, anyway, point being, John's a brilliant guy. He started Armadillo Aerospace. He loves rockets too. He's friends with with Elon. Uh, and so John chimed in on this on the SpaceX rocket boosters for the Roadster on Twitter. John saying basically, John gets it, and he says. For many maneuvers, it will probably be optimal to have the rockets pushing somewhat downward to increase tire grip within the limits of the suspension, as well as actually accelerating the vehicle mass. So that was basically John Carmack's way of saying, hey, I totally get what you're doing here, and it's cool. <laughs> that's that's Because uh, again, John has a sort of interesting way of speaking. It's John's not... John's not human, and I mean that in a kind way. I mean, he he operates on a plane that's certainly well above mine, but in any case, um, so this was just insane. I, I can't even fathom this. I Again, I guess I was aiming way too low with what I thought was my, my crazy prediction that it would be the AR display, the AR glasses connected with the Roadster, but I can't even fathom how much that's going to cost. It that's I mean we're talking about a $200,000 base car here. Is I got to figure just on the low end is that it's got to be a $50,000 package, right? I mean it, it, right? More maybe? Maybe even more. But I'll bet it's at least 50k. And uh Elon also mentioned at one point, maybe it was in another tweet or something. It's going to be loud. Rocket boosters. Not not quiet things. <laughs> They're going to be loud. This is going to be the loudest electric car ever made. Not only up from history and from, you know, to this point in history, but from this point in history going forward. The YouTube videos, when people actually get their hands on this thing, are going to be absolutely ridiculous and bonkers. Uh... The one other note I wanted to add to this is that, please, Elon, if you're listening, please tell me that there's going to be some sort of super cool ignition sequence to activate this through the touchscreen that you have to go through that's in some way inspired by what SpaceX actually does for their ignition sequence on a Falcon 9 launch. There has to be something cool associated with this instead of just like turning it on. There's got to be something good. So 
Uh, this is one of the one of the Elonist ideas ever. But guess what? He's gonna do it. <laughs> He's totally gonna do it. Uh, I wonder. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the room when he pitched that to Franz and the 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 like probably the en- the Franz on the design side and maybe the engineers. It's like, do they just look at each other, or at this point are they so conditioned to just take everything Elon says seriously, no matter how nuts it sounds, that they're like, okay, all right, we'll figure this out, because it's just wild, man. I mean, th- this is going to be that is going to be some spectacle to behold. All right. Uh, I am talking way longer than I thought this week before we get to the interview. But first, just a couple of quick notes. Autopilot's interface will be getting an update in the not-too-distant future later this summer, in fact. Elon confirming with a simple sentence on Twitter that the the interface for Autopilot will be changed for software version 9, which is due out later this summer. Now, I saw some people taking this uh, I think maybe misinterpreting it, not not maliciously, but just on accident, that the entire GUI of the car, the entire interface, is going to change. But if you just if you read the question and the response deliberately, carefully, literally, they're they're only talking about Elon's only talking about the autopilot interface here specifically. Now maybe it also means a whole GUI redesign. But I just want to caution people not to jump to that conclusion right away, uh, lest ye be disappointed should it turn out that that's not the case. But we'll look forward to seeing what's doing with version 9 later this summer. And finally this week, I just wanted to mention, because I, I do like to, to mention these for folks, passing along uh, some information that may be useful to you, because I have to remember that there are so many folks out there, so many of you listening, so many of you that are reservation holders for the Model 3, that you still haven't seen the car in person yet. So wanted to pass along this information that Model 3 is now on display in 18 new Tesla stores. Uh, here in California, locally in the Bay Area, you've got Burlingame and then uh, Northeast Bay Dublin in Amador Plaza, Sunnyvale as well. So the Bay Area having a, a number of Model 3s on display in Tesla stores. Down south, Southern California, you've got Glendale in the Americana at Brand, Mission Viejo, the shops at Mission Viejo, and on uh, Hitchcock Way in Santa Barbara and Fashion Valley in San Diego. In uh, Colorado, Lone Tree in Park Meadows, in Boca Raton, Florida, the town center, Honolulu at the Ala Moana Center, in Chicago at Westmont, Baltimore, Owings Mills, Cleveland in Lyndhurst. Uh, In New York, you've got in Brooklyn, Van Brunt Street and Manhasset, Americana. Uh, And then in Dallas, the North Park Center and Tyson's Corner uh, at at McLean in uh, in Virginia. So if you live near one of those stores and you would like to get your eyes and your hands on the Model 3, not a test drive yet, quite obviously, but at least go sit in it, go see it, go behold its lines its shape, it's uh, what it looks like in 3D space for yourself, you now have the opportunity to do that. All right, that wraps it up for the Tesla news of the week. Again, I want to go now to the interview that I recorded uh, a few weeks back with Jeff McGovern from Immaculate Reflections talking about detailing. There's a lot to digest. A lot. It's such a big topic. 
Uh, so hopefully this will, you will find this interview to be informative. Uh, if you're not interested in listening to it, that pretty much wraps up the show. Cause again, uh, I'll be, uh, I'm not going to do the, the hotline this week. We'll get back to that next week. So do keep your calls coming. Actually, I guess I'll give it a plug here. Uh, the, Please keep your calls coming if you want to react to the layoffs, if you want to react to the, the SpaceX option package on the Roadster or anything else. You can uh, call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recorder, record a, uh, the message, please keep it to a minute. Minute and a half tops would be great. And you can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. So uh, here's Jeff McGovern. We'll talk some car detailing, and then I'll be right back after that just with a few parting thoughts and the, and the, the usual round of plugs for you here after that. So hope you enjoy it. All right, my guest this week, I'm here at Immaculate Reflections. Uh, I am about uh, 45 minutes or so from the Tesla factory up here in the sort of northeast bay or eastish bay. I'm with Jeff McGovern, the owner, proprietor, sole primary detailer here at Immaculate Reflections. Uh, thanks for having me here, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for making the trip out, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good warm-up for me. I'm going to be bringing my Model 3 to you. Uh, we've been talking. I've been asking you a ton of questions, and I thought... I, I really, truly, I think hopefully my audience knows and trusts me enough when I say that I really don't want this to be an infomercial for your business. I, what I do want it to be is I think there's, there's so many options and questions with detailing. Like should, there's, there's, this, there's this paint protection and this uh, ceramic uh, coating, like all these things. What should I do? What should I not do right. to protect my new Tesla? So I thought we'd take, you know, 20 or so minutes to try and uh, inform people a little better. So yeah. um, you now you do, you'll do pretty much everything for, starting from, I guess maybe, is it best that we start by talking about paint correction and how these cars tend to come from the factory, not just from Tesla, but from any manufacturer? Yeah, it's uh, paint correction is, is kind of like the foundation of all the work that we're gonna do. Whether you're gonna do a ceramic coating later or you just wanna do a wax, or if you want to do paint protection film, paint correction is kind of going to be at the heart of all of those because that, that makes the surface look as good as it can. And then you go on to that next step, whatever it ends up being. Right. So wh what do you do when you talk about paint correction? What is that? Like what fundamentally are you doing to the car uh, and, and what, are you what are you correcting? So paint correction is the technical term in the industry for removing of defects. Um, now, when people think of defects, they think like, is that a scratch? Is that, you know, there's a speck under the paint? It, it can be both of those, um, but it's, it's a little bit broader than that. What paint correction isn't is painting. I get a lot of people ask me like, hey, how much to uh, paint my bumper? Like, well, that's not what we do. That's not paint correction. You need a body shop for that. Yeah. So if you have if you have a big scratch in the middle of your door and you can clearly tell there is no paint left, it needs to go to a body shop, not a detailer. Um, but paint correction is going to refine the surface. It is uh, going to take out things like swirl marks, also commonly called 
uh, spider webs or cobweb marks. Um, it's going to take out sanding marks. So whether that be from you had some body work done and they had to sand the panel or whether it's a, a, a DA sanding mark from the factory kind of buzzing out a little flaw in the paint, yeah. you know, on the line before the car is even finished being built. Right. Um, it, it handles all of those things. Paint. The goal of paint correction is to make the surface of the car as optically perfect and clear as possible. So is that, you know, when, when, if people are thinking about, all right, I'm getting my Model 3. I'm super psyched about this car. I want to I want to have it for a while. I want to keep it looking good, get it looking good, and keep it looking good. Is is paint correction the thing that if you're going to do nothing else, is that the first the first thing you should do? It. I, I would ask the person how they're going to be driving the car. Yeah. How they're going to be caring for it. Um, if your commute is five miles a day down a back road, uh, it may not be necessary. Uh, if it's the opposite, you know, that might be a really, really good idea. Gotcha. It's going to be out in the elements. It's going to be abused a lot. You know, the it's hard to say because it depends on how the person is going to care for it. That's probably that's probably the biggest part. So you're big on, I mean, you're you're basically doing an interview with everybody that comes in here yes. to figure out what they're using their car for and what, you know, what their goals are basically. Yes. Because I don't want to recommend a service, one, that they don't need, yeah. or two, that they won't get the full benefit out of. So, you know, for example, uh, I've got a client who's a realtor, and he brings his black S-Class in every single year. And we do a big two-step paint correction, takes several days, and he picks it up, and he's super happy with it. But for the rest of the year, he mistreats the car. Oh, I um, see. Real nice guy, but he's busy, yeah. you know. Uh, he works seven days a week. Uh, so the car goes to the car wash, the local, you know, scratch and shine, we call them. Um, and they swirl that black paint up like crazy. So every time I see it, it's just been horrifically swirled up. So if a lot of car wash places that you think, you know, like, oh, it's a nice hand wash. It looks like a nice place. It might be good at getting the car clean, mm -hmm. but they may aren't, they may not be perfect in getting it clean without introducing swirls and things like that and into the paint. I was going to ask you about this later. I was going to try and sort of build piece by piece, but you've segued perfectly into <laughs> it because this is actually a question that I have. So I was showing you my car a few minutes ago before we sat down to do this. My Infinity is 12 years old, a um, little more than that now. Uh, I've got the, the 3M Venture Shield film on the front, which is what was the new jam in 2006. But just on the just on the nose up to the headlights, and there's rock chips everywhere. But I have there are scratches that have been added to that car over the years. Even though I have the Griot's Garage yellow microfiber towels, and I wash them uh, after every use, and 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 I'm still introducing stuff. So what for you? I know there are plenty of different methods. What is the best way, in your opinion? What what do you recommend is the best way to wash my Model Three when I get it? Well, the, the quick answer is the two-bucket method, but the better answer is whatever works that removes as much dirt from the surface before you ever touch the car, or that uh, removes as much dirt from the surface as you're watching, washing the car and not reintroducing it. So uh, a big part of, of the, the washing process for me 
is the rinse. You want to get as much dirt off of that surface as possible. The more you can get off the car, the less there is to possibly put marring in. Makes sense. So um, you you rinse that car really, really well. You do your two bucket method. You know, you also want to use the right kind of like wash mitts, the right kind of microfibers. You know, uh, a packet Costco is a great bargain for the dollar. Maybe not the best for the finish on the car, though. Um, So, you know, whenever someone brings their car into me and then, you know, we do some work on it, uh, before they leave, we go over how to maintain that car. Because I don't want them calling me back in six months saying, hey, I've got all these new swirl marks. Uh, I think we need to do this process again. While we're removing as little material as possible and it is safe to do again, I don't want them to spend that money if they don't need to. It's effectively preventive maintenance for the finish as opposed to, exactly. you know, as opposed to most people think of preventive maintenance with regard to the mechanics yes. of a car. You're talking about it from a, from a detailer side. Yes, because when you're doing paint correction, you're not masking the defects. You are removing them. So those swirl marks, those spider webs, those cobweb marks that you see in the sun, uh, paint correction physically takes them out. So the responsibility then passes on to the owner yeah. not to put new ones in. <laughs> you know, I get a lot of people ask me, well, how long before they come back? Well, they come back depending on how well you care for it. So that's why we go over the proper methods. Um, and it's, it's why it's so important. Yeah. It's, it's the way you're going to get the best value for your money as well. Right. Because, you know, the, the reality is, uh, you know, we don't have to talk dollars here, but the the your services scale to, you know, from you can do a, a what I what I think would be classified as as a reasonable costs for certain services, but you can go pretty nuts and end up spending a whole lot of money. Yeah, um, with detailing, the sky's kind of the limit, and uh, I wish the industry had some better terms to differentiate it because, especially when you get to those very high end ones. A lot of people have a hard time grasping. You spent how much on a on a detail? Well, they just detailed your car. Well, no, we we washed it. We did a chemical decontamination. We clay barred it. Uh, we masked off everything. We spent twenty five hours correcting the paint. Then we wow. stripped off all the polishing oils. We applied a ceramic coating. We then uh, infrared cured that ceramic coating. Uh, we put paint protection film on it, and this, that, and the other. That's what we did. Yeah. Most people, well, you detailed it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, what I tell people is we can do as little or as much as you like. Yeah. You know, my job is to lay out the options, tell you the differences between them, and then let you choose or help you choose uh, which one fits best. So I wanted to ask you, you know, you're, 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 you're starting to show your expertise here, all these things. And, and you know, you know what, when you had, had first, uh, reached out and made contact with me uh, about Tesla stuff, you're, you didn't, you sort of, this career found you, right? You, this was, this was <laughs> something that you've kind of yeah. taken up as a, as, as a passion and now turned it into your life. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it started before the, even the business started. Um, it started as, as, you know, just a 10 year old kid washing his parents' cars. And uh, I realized that the more time I spent on that car, well, the better it looked, the happier my parents were, you know, and they'd pay me for it. So yeah. I'd start to earn a little bit more money. Uh, when, when I got my very first car, 
when I was 16, it was my dad's 91 CRX SI. And I loved that car. I still miss it to this day. Um, and, you know, I had friends that had Camaros and Mustangs and like, oh, my car wasn't as cool as that. Um, but it was my car. And yeah. the paint, like my, my dad had, had taken good care of it. So the paint looked good. I'm like, you know what? I don't have the money to modify it, but I've got the money to go down to AutoZone and buy every detailing product I can think of and just start trying them out and keeping them looking good. Yeah. Um, and it just, it kind of just grew from that. Um, I, I really appreciate a vehicle that looks its best. And, you know, uh, I also learned that if you do that hard work initially, it's easier to keep it looking good. Right. You know, if you're just staying on top of it. So, uh, I think the next big topic is uh, is paint protection film. That's been a, you know, I, I'm all over the Tesla forums. I'm scouring this stuff and trying to always, you know, pass along the best info to, to the people that listen to this podcast. And paint protection film is, you know, you hear, well, Tesla paint is soft, so you should wrap it. And, and the more common sense thing that I think about is, well, unlike literally every other car, unlike ICEs, there's, it's all paint in the front of a Tesla, particularly, uh, well, really all of them now after the Model S refresh, the, the three S and X, it's just all paint. There's no yeah. dam up there. So that, that's, that's your first point of contact figure. I want to keep that looking good, but there's, there's Expel, there's SunTech. So what, uh, what do you like? What's, uh, what should people know about paint protection film? So, the the biggest thing about film that I, I that I like to help people with and that are understanding is most of today's film the uh, all the top brands that you hear about on the forums on Facebook on Instagram they're all really good uh, Expel Ultimate and now Ultimate Plus very good film uh, SunTech Ultra very good film. Uh, a, a film that is coming out more and more and getting more popular um, is S-Tech. And that film is really good. And then you've got ClearGuard, which is another high-end film. They're all very good. The differences between the film now are, are much smaller than they were 10 years ago. That's good for us. Yes. For, for consumers, that's good. Yes. And for installers, for you, maybe maybe that's good too because maybe it makes the pricing more competitive between all of them, right? <laughs> yeah, they're all, all the all the companies are are you know trying to one up each other and and they're improving the product along the way, and that makes it that makes it better for the installers and makes it better for the end user, the customers yeah. who's arms race. purchasing. Yeah, it 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 just doesn't nothing but benefits everybody. So um, you know you can go nuts and wrap the whole car. Um, but, but, uh, the, the front end is, I assume where you, where you want to start with, if you're going to look at it at all, right? Yes. You want to cover the high impact areas and on majority cars, that's going to be the front end. So that front bumper and the headlights are going to be the two most hit items, uh, depending on the shape of the car. Yeah. Uh, the hood and the fenders are going to follow suit pretty much immediately. So, um, that whole front end is a good thing to wrap. Mirrors are very common to wrap as well because they get hit a lot. They stick out from the car. They're going to get hit by rocks. Um, the The next would be the rocker panels, which is the section right below the doors that, that span from the front wheel to the rear wheel. Uh, those get chewed up pretty bad too. 
So those are the majority of the high impact areas. You have uh, sports cars and stuff with very you know wide back ends. You get a Corvette Z06, a Porsche 911, very wide hips on those cars with big tires out the back. The S too, even right? Yes, yes, and they'll they'll throw rocks up onto the rear bumper. So. Uh, that's also an area that is that is good to protect as well. Some cars need it more than others, though. And uh, a lot of people worry, like, how much should I wrap? And that's where that interview process kind of comes in, in, in figuring out, well, what makes sense for you? Do you have the five-minute commute across town, or do you have a 50-mile commute on the freeway through a construction zone? <laughs> Wildly different, yeah. you know, uh, you know, elements the car is going to be exposed to and the amount of rocks. So, uh, and I try and base my recommendations off of that. If someone comes in and has that five minute commute and they want to wrap the whole car, okay, we can do that. But I want to make sure that they're understanding whether they need it before just saying, okay, let's do that. You know, I don't like recommending stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. Let me, let me ask you a question on that note too, because I've actually, I've been having this internal debate myself, like, in a, in, in a perfect world, I'd love to wrap my whole car. And I don't know. We'll see if costs allow that. I don't know. But um, I, I worry about if part of the car is wrapped and part of it's not, I worry about the care of it. Like, do, do I need to uh, care for the wrapped sections differently than the unwrapped, just painted sections of the car? Generally, no. Um, as long as you're using good care methods... Uh, you don't need to worry about it. Those, you know, anytime that you do have an edge, um, you know, in every, even custom kits, there's going to be some place where there is an edge. Um, so whether you have just a very basic kit or you have a custom wrapped around every edge, at some point there's going to be an area where you will come across. As long as you're just being careful. Yeah. That's it. You know, you wash it just like you wash the paint. You treat it the same way. You know, you're not going to slather a carnauba wax on top of the film. That's not good for it. You do want to keep it up. There's things that you can do to do that, and they're actually pretty easy. So, if if uh, do you do you put wax at all? Should you wax over a, a paint protection film? Generally, like when most people think of that, they're thinking of you know the tin from the auto parts store. You know, the paste wax. Generally, I say no. Don't do that. Um, a more liquid based uh, synthetic sealant. Um, is going to work a lot better. Um, there are some that work better than others, but generally a synthetic sealant in liquid form is going to do a much, much better job. You're going to use less product. You're not going to have something that dries white mm-hmm. and collects on any exposed edge, which then looks unsightly. Yep. Um, and they're also very quick to do. You're not, you're not applying it, waiting for it to haze and then killing your shoulder you know, trying to get it all out a few hours later. Because for me, so for me with, with my Infinity, I, I've told you, like, I'm, I'm a person, I try to take as good a care of my stuff as possible. And that very much includes the car because it's the second most expensive thing I own. Um, but I, I don't have, you know, I've got a full-time job. I've got a family. I've got a, a part-time job in the form of this podcast. I don't have time to go out and wax my car. So, you know, you're supposed to do it once or twice a year. I think I, I've, I do my infinity. I've always done it once a year, but I, I pay someone to do it. So, um, with a, with a film, uh, if you do go those whole nine yards and were to wrap the whole car, are you just don't have to 
you don't have to worry about waxing at all. Like it's all just basically you've, you've already done all that work. It's all sealed in there. Pretty much. And in any time I do like a full wrap on a car, yeah. uh, I'm typically going to be putting a ceramic coating on top of that wrap. Now, not many people are doing a full body wrap and maybe they're, maybe they are or are not interested in the ceramic coating at the very least. I'm going to be putting a sealant on that film so that it's leaving here and the film has some protection on it. And I'll even show those owners like, hey, this is what I used on your car. Um, I can send you home with some or I can show you where to get it. And this is how you apply it so you can keep it up at home and it'll take you 10 minutes. Oh, that's it. It's very, very easy to do. Now, uh, you mentioned the ceramic coating. That was the next thing I want to talk because the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because again, it's. There's so many pieces to this puzzle of like, which, which things do I do to the car? Which, you know, how, how far do you go? Um, the, the Seacourt's finest reserve is the thing that uh, mm-hmm. we always mention in your spot at the end of the podcast. Uh, so that is a ceramic coating. What is, what is the fundamental difference between a ceramic coating and a paint protection film? So they both protect the vehicle. And this is where a lot of confusion comes in online as people are trying to figure out which of these do they want. They both protect the vehicle, but they protect against different things. Uh, Paint protection film protects from abrasions, from impacts. It's a literal Uh, shield. Yes. Uh, A ceramic coating does not do that. It will not stop rock chips. It will not stop, you know, things from doing damage to the paint. Um, What it does do is it provides a ton of UV protection to the paint it makes it slick, it makes it glossy. Um, It provides the protection that you would normally, you'd wax your car. It does that, but it does a much better job of it and for a much longer period as well. So is it better to think of ceramic coating as a higher end, long-term alternative to wax? So you, because you wouldn't do both, it sounds like. Correct. So you you would skip the wax and go, it's like a long-term mega wax. Yeah, you, you could say that. Um, yeah, it is long-term because you're not measuring. Most, most over-the-counter waxes are good for about 4 to 12 weeks on a daily driven vehicle. There are a lot that I advertise that lasts you know, way longer, and they'll show you a video of it going through 52 car washes. Ugh, that's not real world, though. Um, so 4 to 12 weeks for a traditional wax. Sealants are typically three to six months in durability. So you got that synthetic sealant, immediate jump in in, in length of durability. Right. The ceramic coatings, you know, most of them are starting at 18 months just for the entry level ones. Wow. Uh, and then you get into, you know, multiple years of protection on the higher end coatings. So uh, that's, that's where that really, really comes into play. And People ask, well, how, what about maintaining it? Like, what do I have to do? If I'm not waxing car, what do I do? Just wash it. Just keep it clean. And, and you don't have to be, you know, crazy about keeping it clean, but just keep it clean regularly. Keep that, the, 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 the coating is a porous material, you know, just like your clear coat is, just like paint protection film is, it has pores to it. Keep them clean. Let it, let it do what it's designed to do and it'll last you a long time. Is there, uh, on that sort of note, if, if, you, if you do have paint protection film, does that 
do you do you wash that any differently than you would without paint protection film, or is it the same two bucket method? It's the, it's going to be the same thing. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. And and for those wondering, uh, I won't. I won't have you explain two bucket method now because there are like a million YouTube videos that show right. if you just if you just type in two bucket method car wash on YouTube. Generally, you're going to find a, you know a good way. Yeah, like there's so there's a lot of variations of it, but essentially one soapy water bucket, one clean water bucket, <laughs> and you know just yeah YouTube but, it. It's really easy. but it does sound like you were saying earlier get good towels like certain yes. certain towels not just the cheap stuff at costco yes okay what do you have a, any is there a specific towel recommendation or if, if not a brand a, a type um the the way that that microfibers are labeled in terms of their their weight or the the split between you know how much um is it this much percent this this much percent that a lot of that in the industry there's a lot of back and forth on that um, what I like to go by is just the thicker, the plusher, the softer it feels, the better. Okay. But you you also think about how you're using it. So you don't want to use a heavy, like you can use a really, really nice towel. But if you're using it with a heavy hand and you're adding a lot of pressure to it, you can mar the surface because you're just, you're being aggressive with it. That's where so, the rinse comes in. Try to get as much of that off yes. as, as possible. At yeah. Do you, uh, so just for, for at home... Do, should I should I be getting uh, like a trying to get one of those high pressure washer things to so, hook up at home? Like a pressure washer. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. If, okay. If you, if you live in an area where you can do that, and certain areas have restrictions on water usage, um, it's it's especially on a car that has a ceramic coating on it. Pressure washers work amazing. The the one of the benefits a ceramic coating has is its ability to shed dirt very easily. It releases dirt. From the surface, stuff doesn't stick to it as much. So when you apply pressurized water to it, it really cleans the car really well. So, you know, you finish rinsing the car and you've knocked off half or, you know, maybe 80, 90% of the dirt that's on the surface before you ever touch it with a mitt. So you've just reduced the chance of marring the finish because there is so much less debris on the surface that it makes it easier. What if I for whatever reason, can't have a, have a pressure washer, then what? If you can't do that, then a waterless wash product is the way to go. Okay. And just like the, the two bucket method, there is a million ways that you can do a waterless wash that is, you know, environmentally friendly and safe and, you know, uh, safe for the environment and for the vehicle's finish. Right. Um, you really do need to be careful with it. If you just... You know, you went to, you know, you went camping, got a whole bunch of bugs on it. Then you drove halfway across the country to the snow and drove through all the salt. And then you came home and just started wiping with a waterless wash product. You're going to mar the finish badly. It's it's not good. You still need to try and get as much of that off as you can. Um, you know, just even going to those like coin operated pressure washer places. Yeah. Just to, if you can just blast off some of that stuff. And then go home and then do a waterless wash. That can help as well. That's exactly what I was going to ask you, actually. Because, <laughs> like, me personally, I my neighborhood, I my house is, like, right on the street. I don't have a driveway. I have a garage, thankfully. But, um, I you know, I I don't really think I can be spraying around a high-pressure washer in there. So right. it's good to know. So just go to the 
Go to the coin op place. Yep. Do the pressure wash, then come back and yeah, do your two just buckets. Just rinse it. Now, so some of those places will let you spend some time, and and you can bring your buckets and do the wash there. Yeah. Most of them will not let you right. do that. Um, so people are like, well, I don't want uh, I don't want it drying, so I should wipe it down. Don't resist the urge to wipe it down. Um, it, it should be somewhere that's close by, you know. But don't use their brushes. Don't use their wash mitts. Don't use their soap. Um, and you know, don't dry the car because even if you rinse some of that, most of that dirt off, if you then take a towel and start wiping it down and it's just wet, you're not using anything to encapsulate and emulsify that remaining dirt. You're going to put marring in and it it, it might be light. You may not even notice it at first, but over time it will accumulate and you will like, man, uh, how do I get all these swirl marks? So it's, it's just thinking about the biggest thing you do is just think about the process. Just think is, is what I might, is what I'm doing possibly putting marring into the paint? Am I dragging dirt across the surface? You know, uh, am I, am I, you know, Hey, I see that little spot on there that didn't rinse off. I'm going to go and scrub it real good with this microfiber. Eh, Maybe you think about that. You know, how much pressure are you using? You know, it doesn't take much pressure to, to, to put some marring in. So just being proactive and thinking about the process helps tremendously. Well, I got to be honest. Some, some of the, like, this can be kind of terrifying for like, <laughs> you, like you want to take good care of the car, but it's like, do this, don't do that. But, but it, uh, just getting the information, I think it's, that's what I'm learning from talking to you is that's at least half the battle. Yes. If not more of just knowing, all right, what, what am I, what do I want for this car what is what is my use case with the car mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna do these services from from a from a detailer and then just making sure you're you're just making sure you're washing it the right way at home sounds like that's like that might be the other half of the battle is that fair to say just yes t- taking proper home care almost like the dent you're like the dentist you bring the car in you get that nice polish, <laughs> you get that, but then you got to go home and you got to brush your own and floss your own teeth right. every day. Right? Yeah, the upkeep is now your responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Or the next time you come in, it's going to be a bigger bill because <laughs> yeah. it's you been You might neglected. have cavities, who knows? Right. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I've learned a lot. Jeff McGovern, thank you so much. IRDetailing.com. Uh, Stage, you can, we'll, I'll give you the full plug at the end of the podcast with the discount code. Uh, you're up here, like I said, you're up here in the Bay Area for folks either that live here or are taking delivery uh, at the Tesla factory. Really appreciate you having me in your shop and showing me around. And uh, yeah, and sure. I, like I said, I really did learn a lot because this is all stuff. Like I said, I've done some some research online. You know, there's there's a million forum threads on this stuff, but um, it's 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 hard to process all of it. So it's good to good to have an expert to uh, to really kind of walk through what to do. <laughs> I appreciate it. There's lots of information out there. And the best thing you can do is just ask questions and do research. I encourage people, if they're unsure about something like, hey, go home, do some more research. Try researching these terms. Not necessarily a product per se. Yeah. But check this out. Learn about it. Let's discuss what, what suits you best, you know, rather than just steering you towards this. Like, I'll help someone choose something if, if that's what they're wanting. But again, it comes down to recommending stuff that makes sense for people. And that's, that's what I really like, like to see people doing. If they're, making, if they're researching it and they're making those choices themselves, they're going to feel a lot better about it as well.
Makes sense. Jeff, thank you so much. We'll be right back right after this. All right. Thanks again to Jeff for having me out to his shop. I know he's busy. He's got cars to detail. You know, that's, those are, those are many dozens of hours of work. So I appreciate him taking, uh, what ended up being eh, a good hour, hour and a half of his day out to, uh, to speak with me. So, uh, I will skip his usual plug because we just talked to him for 30 minutes. And I'll just mention, of course, you've got abstractocean.com, whether you're in the market for a tempered glass screen protector for your Model 3's screen, a, a center console wrap. Uh, those are on the way. The If you like the T-E-S-L-A lettering, on the like on the back of Franz's Model 3, they're selling that. They've got uh, lighting kits, all kinds of stuff. Check it all out at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. Uh, let's see. Referral code. Ah, yes. If you're buying an S or X, get yourself free unlimited lifetime supercharging with my cousin Patrick's referral code, which is Patrick5008. You can give that to your sales advisor when you're configuring, or if you're doing it online, just type in ts.la slash Patrick5008. I want to say thank you to the Patreon producers, the kind folks uh, backing me at the $200 level or higher every month here on, uh, or at least on my Patreon page. You've got you've got Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Luke Miles, Stefan Joris, Gabriel Salaz, and Jared Brown. Thank you all so much. If you, uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, you get a lot out of it each week. You feel it worthy of support. There, uh, there is a great way to do that via Patreon. I would be grateful if you just take a look at the Patreon page and see if uh, see what you think of it. You can find it at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. That's totally free. Just It's just all subscribing means is that it's going to auto-download to you each week rather than you having to seek it out so you can subscribe again for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, in your Tesla, yes, Spotify, or uh, there's the RSS feed and individual show downloads on the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. I believe that wraps it up. You can always email me, I guess uh, I'll give you a teslapodcast at gmail.com. That's the show email address. You can find me there. Or I'm also on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. That'll do it. Uh, Hopefully, God, hopefully my my hearing bounces back properly next week. I've got that thing right now where it feels like like right now there's a, it's like there's a monitor in my ear because it's like I'm hearing myself in my left ear. (laughs) It's not ideal, but. I'm just glad the pain's gone, because my goodness, that was not fun. In any case, 
Uh, I hope you had an excellent week. I hope you have a great week this week. And uh, wow, 150 episodes already. That is, that's like, that's a nice little mini milestone, 150. And we're not even, the actual three-year anniversary of the show isn't until, what, the very beginning of August, I guess, is three years. But I guess, I guess it's 52 weeks a year. So yeah, we're, I guess, yeah, that's about right. It's about right. It's about six more shows till the the actual three-year anniversary. But episode 150, that's awesome. Thank you. Whether you've been around uh, for just one episode, if this is your first one, or five, or ten, or all 150, seriously, thank you. Because, you know, this is just, this is just one maniac Tesla fan. That's me. Uh, it's just a labor of love for me. It's just something I really like doing. I love podcasting, and I love talking about Tesla. And I, I just, I do my best to, I put a lot of time and energy and thought into trying to make this um, a fun, I, I, I feel like the word show is overused, like, have you listened to my show? Like, everybody's got a show, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I hope, you know, whatever this is, I do put a lot of time, energy, and thought into it, and I just, I hope you like it. I guess if you've made it this far, if you're hearing this at the tail end of the show, I must be doing something right for you. So in any case, I'll stop rambling. Happy electric motoring, everybody. Thanks for 150 episodes. Here's to another 150 and then some. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I'll see you guys next week, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time.